Welcome to Movie Interrupted, a podcast where chats about our favourite films keep getting interrupted by the phone ringing. I'm Luke Ryan, and if you enjoy this podcast, be sure to leave us a rating and review wherever you listen. Happy Star Wars Day, everybody. May the 4th be with you as we celebrate this amazing franchise that keeps on giving. Now, what sort of Star Wars fan are you? Are you attempting to watch the films back-to-back today? Do you stick to the originals or the prequels or the sequels? Well, to start off today, we're going to have a quick quiz of Star Wars trivia to see what type of Star Wars fan you are. Three questions. So... Play along at home. So, the first question, starting up with our first question. What is the name of the Ewok that assists on the forest moon of Endor? Did you get it? Wicked is the correct answer. Question number two. Name two Jedis who carry a green lightsaber. Quick Well, you could have had Yoda, Qui-Gon Jinn, Luke, Ahsoka, or for a couple of extra bonus points, you might have mentioned the Jedi uh, Kit Fito, or Coleman Tamor, who was killed by Jango Fett. Question number three. The energy blast from the Death Star was focused through what object? Yes, the answer is kyber crystals, eight of them, in fact. So for Star Wars Day, there are so many different things we could talk about. We could talk about the current state of Star Wars with the Disney purchase and all the different properties that have come from that. We could talk about the prequels, the originals, and the sequels. But for me, the thing I really wanted to talk about is where Star Wars and my love of Star Wars came from. And I think very similar to most of us, your love of Star Wars comes from your very first watching or your very first exposure to the Star Wars universe. And for me, Star Wars was something that I used to watch on live TV, just the same as the Back to the Future franchise. But you'll probably remember that if you watched those sorts of movies on live TV, you never got all three parts. They would often show the first part and the third part. So, for instance, I had seen Star Wars A New Hope tons of times. I'd seen Return of the Jedi tons of times, but I'd only seen like Empire Strikes Back like two or three times. It was the same for Back to the Future. They never played the original. They always played number two and number three. I don't know why. Regardless, I had seen them at some point and loved them. And it was in 1997 when I was at the tail end of my high school years that George Lucas announced that for the 20th anniversary, he would be releasing Star Wars special editions in the cinema that you could see. George Lucas took this opportunity at the 20th anniversary to complete his vision and use some new technology and add some extra scenes to fill the world building of Star Wars. Now these cinema releases provided the perfect way to celebrate the 20th anniversary and in addition they were the perfect build-up to the release of the prequels in 1999. For me This was when my love of Star Wars went to new heights because the Star Wars special editions could be seen, you had to see them as quick as possible. You know, uh, my parents took the extra effort, even though they weren't particularly Star Wars fans themselves, but they knew how amazing this would be. 
Uh, they took us to the very first midnight prequel screening in our local area. And so it was this big event and it was because it was a midnight screening, there was this sense of um, importance and uh, this, this need to see it first. And I think that that kind of spurred me later on. So for most of the Star Wars films, I've seen the very first session I could and um, that's carried on probably to the Marvel Universe as well. But let's have a look and talk about the Star Wars Universe with this first clip. For an entire generation, people have experienced Star Wars the only way it's been possible, on the TV screen. But if you've only seen it this way, you haven't seen it at all. Now. For its 20th anniversary, the adventure of a lifetime returns to the big screen in a way you've never seen before. There'll be no one to stop us this time. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. With newly enhanced visual effects. They're coming in too fast! THX and digital sound. And a few new surprises. Hanabuki Balgonyanda. On President's Day weekend, 1997, George Lucas and 20th Century Fox invite you to welcome back Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, Darth Vader, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Chewbacca, C-3PO, and R2-D2. Finally, the motion picture event, the way it was meant to be experienced. This will be a day long remembered. As the entire Star Wars trilogy returns. On February 14th, Star Wars, followed soon after by The Empire Strikes Back. And then, Return of the Jedi. Move closer! For a whole new generation who have yet to experience it on the big screen. And for everyone else to experience it again. is our last hope. No, there is another. The Star Wars Trilogy, Special Edition. See it again for the first time. The Force will be with you, always. I hope you're like me and the Star Wars fan listening to that put a big smile on my face. Um, the Star Wars Special Editions were very controversial at the time because... People who loved the originals felt that no one should be able to change them. And while it's always exciting to get new material, the thought that something you loved could be changed um, was a, a very upsetting thing. Now, some of the things in the special edition were really fantastic. You talk about the Battle of Yarwin at the end of A New Hope. We got so many new scenes of the X-Wing. We got so many more close-ups. Uh, so many different camera angles, which really drew you into that dogfight that was happening between the X-Wings and TIE Fighters. Loved it. There were some parts that were useless. Um, you know, Jar was falling off creatures and things like that. You think, okay, that really didn't add that much. And then there were moments where that was downright horrible or massively controversial. And I'm mainly focusing on A New Hope because that's the one that's fresh in my mind. And you probably know the the experiences I'm going to talk about, but from A New Hope, the um, addition of uh, 
Jabba the Hutt. At the time, I mean, I didn't think anything of it. It was a very weird experience. The The technology to create Jabba the Hutt was fine for the time, but it was the weird part of Han Solo stepping on the tail that really kind of undermined the presence of Jabba the Hutt in Return of the Jedi. Like It, it made it seem a bit comical as opposed to a feared um, gangster. Uh, nowadays, you look at that technology and he just looks so atrocious that you just want that scene clipped out. But the probably most uh, controversial change was the interaction between Han Solo and Greedo because they changed who fired first. Uh, there have been discussions and documentaries and all these different things um, about how it changes the character. You know, and this leads us to the next question. George Lucas is the creator of the Star Wars universe. It is his artwork. At what point does he hand that over to the audience and say, it's done, I can't add any more? Now, let's have a listen to what George Lucas said in reference to this because there was a lot of um, anger, frustration, and I guess this is where George Lucas kind of got a taste for what was coming in the prequels. What happens when you, uh, especially when you're making a science fiction film, but almost any film, uh, you're working with limited resources and you're constantly sort of bumping up against the technology that you have. Cinema is an extremely technological medium. So you're defined by those two uh, barriers. One is resources, one is technology. Uh, And Star Wars especially bumped up against those. So I was never really able to tell the story that I wanted to tell. I had to self-censor the story down to something I knew could be done uh, given the technology I had available. And I would push it occasionally. I'd, I'd develop a way of panning in outer space. I would develop a way of creating a two-and-a-half-foot-high character that could act. Um, and, you know, really, so at that point, really challenges. Um, and especially with the first film, I had very limited resources. I mean, the, the budget was $9,999,000. And uh, for a film of that scope, it was you know almost an impossible exercise. Uh, I was used to it. I mean, the other movies I'd made, it all been under a million dollars. So there George Lucas talks about his need to use the technology of the time. I mean, I wonder if he still feels that now. Does he go in and see Avatar and go, geez, I wonder if I could create Star Wars with the motion capture technology now. How could I change it? You know, <laughs> could we see the Rancor as a different person and and all of these different special effects? Does he desire to change it further? And I wonder if that drove his um, need to sell Star Wars so that he could stop himself from wanting to change it. But yeah, I put the question to you, does the artist keep changing it? I mean, without those changes, we wouldn't have got so many good things. But without those changes, we um, wouldn't have lost so many. For me, it seems I don't mind the changes. I don't mind the special editions and the extra cuts and things like that. For me, it was the restriction of the audience not able to choose which one they wanted. You know, so when they release these special editions, these changes, they then discontinued the originals, which I felt was really disrespectful to the audience who loved those ones. They were their first ones. 
really they should provide all of them. You know, it's like any film. You can buy the cinema cut or you can buy the special edition. Do you want the one that you saw in the cinema or do you want more? You know, do you want the extra half an hour? I I personally think, and I'm not sure whether Disney does this, but they should provide all of them. You should be able to get the one that was the original released in 1979. You should be able to get the special editions. You should be able to get the new Blu-ray refined ones. And make the decision for yourself. Which one is your go-to Star Wars? Anyway, to conclude our Star Wars Day episode, I'm going to give you a couple of things that I really have enjoyed that are not so much Star Wars properties, but pay homage to the Star Wars legacy that perhaps you might not have come across. The first one is an amazing edited piece of video from Topher Grace who constantly takes the Star Wars films and edits them and chops and changes them. He's done it with the prequels where he's taken all three prequels and put it into one clip, taking out all the the fluff and the waffle and just make it really powerful. But only recently, in the last couple of months, he did it to the entire Star Wars films, all nine. Jump on YouTube right now because you're going to want to watch this. It is called Star Wars Always. It's amazing if it doesn't put an amazing smile on your face you're not a star wars fan i i watched this the day it came out and loved it i've probably added another 100 views to it since the other thing you're going to want to check out is there is a podcast called blockbuster this is such an amazing podcast it's a storytelling podcast it tells the narrative But the whole first season of this podcast tells the story of George Lucas and the creation of Star Wars. It delves into the battles he had with production, the difficulties he had working in the studios, um, the the budget issues, and uh, the actors that voice these roles are just so good. I was so captivated by it. And I was taken back by how many different films and how many different directors took inspiration from Star Wars A New Hope. Like it really was this defining moment in cinema history that just blew people away. Nothing had ever been done like this before. And this podcast really highlights that. So I would highly recommend the Blockbuster podcast. And the last thing I wanted to tell you is, oh, come on. Hello, welcome to Movie Phone. I grow tired of asking this, so it'll be the last time. Where is the Rebel base? Uh, is that General Tarkin calling in to see a new release? Perhaps something about loss and devastation? Charming to the last. Uh, General Tarkin, we've been speaking about the rise of Mandalorian activity across the galaxy. Bounty hunter Boba Fett has taken claim to the territory of the Huts in Tatooine. And another mysterious silver armed outlaw has been causing problems for your colleague, Moth Gideon. There have been reports of multiple systems affected and a body count of stormtroopers that increases daily. Now, what was your role in the destruction of Mandalore that forced this once great warriors into exile and bounty hunting? Why has the Empire abandoned the citizens of Mandalore? The regional governors now have direct control over their territories. Fear will keep the local systems in line. Fear of this battle station. Ah, you speak of the Emperor's new toy, this so-called Death Star. 
looks more like a moon to me. Regardless, while you're here, let me give you a suggestion for your next design. The exhaust vents. Maybe seal them up or provide some layer of protection so they don't provide a direct line to the core of your battle station. Rebels might take advantage of that. I think you overestimate their chances. I want to speak with Director Krennic. Oh, I'm sorry, General. Director Credic is not here. I believe he was last sighted on Scarif, looking a bit worse for wear. It seems your precious plans have been captured and shared across the galaxy. No star system will dare oppose the Emperor now. Yes, yes, I've heard this before. The might of the Empire. But General Cracks are appearing. Cells of rebels are gathering. Does that scare you? Cells, factions, tribes, call them what you will. They lack the one thing that would make them a credible threat to the Empire. Unity. What about the Jedi? Reports of the sighting of the elusive Luke Skywalker. The destruction of a squad of dark droids and rumour he's training another. A youngling of the same species as the once powerful Master Yoda. He is a Jedi Master after all, like his family before him. No, I doubt that very much. But I am not concerned with his skills as a warrior. I am concerned with what he represents. Or perhaps I should say, I am concerned by what you allow him to represent by failing to stop him. Hope. There are whispers of this alleged Jedi in the streets. In time, such whispers might spark belief in something other than the strength and security of the Empire. And that, gentlemen, is something I cannot have. I believe you and your Emperor's time is coming to an end and the galaxy will finally be at peace. If saying it would only make it so. The Death Star has cleared the planet. Rebel base in range. Uh, I see you're busy, General, so I better let you go. Good luck with everything. I have a feeling you're going to need it. Not after we demonstrate the power of this station. In a way, you have determined the choice of the planet that will be destroyed first. Since you are reluctant to provide us with the location of the Rebel base, I have chosen to test this station's destructive power. Ah, oh, sorry, General, I'm going through a tunnel. Oh, jeez, what an ass! Thank you for joining me for this week's Movie Interrupted. If you would like to be part of the show and create a character call-in, go to anchor.fm slash movieinterrupted or complete the Google form found in the podcast description. This week's question is... Is Mace Windu still alive? Join us next week when we'll be talking all things Doctor Strange. Goodbye.